Abdi Nesimha Hagimu Zmanin Nesasan, we are on the first day of, second day of Hala Mu'ayyad in, uh, in the diaspora, third day of Hala Mu'ayyad, Sukkot in Eres Israel, and we are starting the very first chapter of Mishneh Torah, the book of Mada. Uh, the Mishneh Torah is divided into 14 books. The first book is the book of Mada. The second book is the book of Ahava. Mada deals with all the mitzvot that are made, are done mostly with your mind, with your thinking, with your opinions. We do have mitzvot having to do with what we are supposed to think, how we are supposed to think. The book of Ahava that follows it deals with all the mitzvot that are very intimate, that they create a very personal relationship between the person and, and God, and more on that to come when I when we begin um, the, the book of Mada, the book of uh, the book of Ahava, the book of Mada has uh, a few kinds of halachot. I'm going to read those right now. Harambam begins, inaugurates every single book by citing a pasuk that uh, fits the theme that he wanted for the book. So the book for Mada is from Tehillim, it's a prayer by David HaMelech that Borei Olam continues or extends his chesed, his kindness, to those who know him, and his justice to those who have a straight heart. This means, for Harambam, one interpretation could be that the chesed of Borei Olam, to be deserving of the kindness of Borei Olam and the justice of Borei Olam is not enough to just do good actions, but you actually have to be Yodea, you actually have to have the right discernment, the right opinions. It is a sin, so to speak, under the Torah to have thoughts that are that are uh, distorted. To see the world in a distorted way makes you a not so great Yehudi. So if you want to be deserving of the chesed of Borei Olam, you have to be Yodea Borei Olam. And this book deals with the misvot that are most directly related to bringing us to become aware of God. So the first book is the book of Mada. It has five kinds of laws, and this is how they are set up. Which we are going to start today about the basis, the fundamentals, the fundamentals of the Torah. Number two the halachot of attitudes that one should have. Number three, the halachot of how to how much, etc., we should study Torah. The halachot having to do with alien worship and the laws of the goyim which we are prescribed not to follow. And finally, number five is Hilchot Teshuvah, is the halachot dealing with how, what is the right way, what is the soul therapy a Yehudi should go by after having done something wrong and being sorry for it.
<coughs> so in the Torah, we are going to deal with 10 mitzvot. Uh, I don't think the number was chosen at random, but there's 10 mitzvot here. Six of them are positive commandments, four of them are negative commandments, things we cannot do. And this is how they are they are uh, detailed. Number one, number one is to, Lieda is not Ladat. Ladat in Hebrew means to know. Lieda means to be aware. So number one is to be aware that there is a Lord, that there is someone calling the shots. That's what Eloah means. And the word Sheyesh Sham, it's not to be translated that there is there, although the word Sham means there, but just like in English, the word there in there is does not connote a place. It doesn't say it's there and it's not anywhere else. It just says that it is, it exists. True. The second mitzvah, so the first one is a mitzvah. We're going to see what that comes from. The second one, that one may not conclude that there is any other Lord, any other authority, any other one who can call the shots but for God. Number three, number three is to understand his oneness. Number four, number four is to love him, to desire him. Number five, to fear him, to respect him. Number six, means to sanctify his name which really means to make it evident to the world how much you care about his name. Number seven, not to defile his name. Eight, not to destroy things that include the name of Hashem in them. Nine, to listen, to obey the prophet that speaks on his behalf. And number 10, not to test Hashem. Just to give you a preview of what this insight is going to be about, we are not allowed to dictate the terms of communication between Hashem and us. We are not allowed to say to Hashem, okay, if you want me to do ABC today, this is how I want you to tell me that that's what you want from me. That's called an Afroto, and it's a tenth mitzvah, negative mitzvah, of course, that is dealt with in this first part of the book of Madai. So we are advancing to the first chapter, Perek Aleph. First chapter. Aleph. The base of all bases and the pillar of sciences. Very important terminology. We'll take some time to go through each and every word. The base of all bases. So just to pause for a second, what makes something the base of all bases as opposed to just another base? The base of all bases can only be the base of all bases if it has no base of its own, number one, and if 
taking this out, removing this means everything that's built on top of it will collapse. And that's what this is. The Amulah the pillar of wisdoms or of sciences, I read this as more of a prescription than a description. It's not saying that this is the pillar of science, that if you don't know this, you cannot understand science, although this could be an understanding, but I think it's more of a prescription. Make this be the pillar of all of your sciences. So what is all of this? To know, to become aware that there is a first being brings into existence every, everything else that there is. In other words, creation. Creation more specifically out of nothing. Because if there was something, then that's something from which, uh, God forbid, uh, we say that Hashem created everything, is not something that Hashem himself created, so it doesn't fit the sentence. He creates everything that there is. This is creation ex nihilo, creation out of nothing. This is, for the Torah, the base of all bases, in both senses. Number one, Harambam insists in Moreha Nebuchim, this in itself does not have a base. This in itself cannot be shown from nature. You look at nature, you look at the cells, the molecules, the electrons, particles, subparticles, gravity, all the laws of physics, the galaxies, you cannot from there deduce a creator. For a very simple reason, a creator is a reality outside this reality. It's a reality that is not part of this reality. So you cannot prove from this reality something that is outside this reality. And it's important to admit to that, and it's important to not try to force the notion that this is provable. This is not provable. When something is provable, which Harambam calls him Morehan Burhan, when something has a, a, a logical proof, a demonstration, we have to bring that demonstration. And when something does not have a demonstration, we should not pretend as though there is a demonstration, because if we do that, our demonstration is going to be simply, if I'm telling you, or else. It all will boil down to that sentence, I am right and you are wrong because I'm saying so. And that's something very antithetical to the Torah. So Yisod HaYisod, the base of all bases, first of all, because it has no base of its own, we have to start from somewhere. This is where we start from. So if someone, as a, as a practical point, if someone starts arguing with you, yeah, but the world is created, the world is not created, it's not something that can be resolved by that dialogue. I suggest you choose somebody else to have a conversation with if you, if you want to discuss Torah. It's a pretty pointless, fruitless discussion that will lead nowhere simply because there are no proofs to one side or to the other. Secondly, if you take out this base, everything which we are about to say in this chapter and everything that follows in the chapter that come has no place. You do have to start from creation ex nihilo. No, you cannot be a good Jew, you cannot be someone who fulfills the Torah if you do not believe that the whole world was created out of nothing. That is Sod HaYesodot. The Amuda Chokhmot, the pillar of all sciences. We, of course, believe science is extremely important. It's part of our growth, 
as the Yehudi, it's, our, it's part of our intellectual growth, trying to, to understand creation, the world, trying to discover Boreolam's God hand in everything that's around us. It's paramount to study sciences. However, sciences need to start from this column for the same reason. You build this column, you start from the point of view, okay, so God created the world. Now let me go and look at this cell and understand how this cell works. The other way around will not work. If you start studying biology or chemistry or physics, astronomy, thinking that, okay, I'll let the evidence lead me to creation, it's not going to work because evidence cannot possibly lead to creation. So this should be the Amuda Hofmont. And to be to pay attention to the way Harambam describes all of this, if you look at the first four words, he said Hayesodot the Amuda Hofmot, Yod He Vav He, this forms an acronym of the name of God. I think it's very clear this wasn't by accident that Harambam begins his Mishneh Torah with the, with the name of God. It shows you where his priorities were. By the way, Harambam begins almost every one of his writings with this proclamation borrowed from our patriarch Abraham, Beshem Hashem, Beshem Adonai El Olam, in the name of Hashem, the eternal God, the eternal Lord. And uh, Moshe Rabbeinu, by the way, also begins each one of his speeches Devarim, he begins with Adonai Eloheinu Diber Elenu Bechorel Lemor, Bezota Beracha, which we are about to read next week, he begins by Yomar Adonai Misinai Babezarach Misayir Lamo, in the Tefillah LeMoshein Tehilim, when David HaMelech describes what Moshe Rabbeinu would have said as his Tefillah, or according to some opinions in the Gemara, Moshe Rabbeinu himself saying that the, the Mizmor itself also is introduced, introduces what Moshe starts with by this is the prayer of Moshe, the, the, the man of God. Adonai God, you have been our uh, place of refuge. So it's, uh, it's symptomatic of someone who has God at the center of his existence to begin everything he says with the name of God. Contrast that with someone like Bil'am, who begins his speech with starting with themselves. And you'll see that, by the way, in your daily life, look around you, listen to people speak. What they begin with is normally subconsciously the most important thing in your life. To be aware that there is a first being, and he brings everything that there is into being, by the way, he doesn't say who he Harambam does not say, and God brought into being everything else that there is. He says he brings into being. This is in line with what we believe that creation is something constant. As we say in the morning, God is someone, God constantly creates, he's constantly renewing. It's not that he created and that act of creation can sustain itself. God continues giving existence to everything else that there is. And everything else that there is, belonging to the heavens, belonging to earth, and the in-between. 
but one could other, understand this heaven to mean the, the non-physical and Eretz the physical and Benehem is what, whatever is in between in which case Benehem would be human beings as an example we are formed of Homer the Surahs we are going to see later we have matter and we also have a certain programming this programming is not explainable by biology chemistry and physics this programming the, the structure of our neurons the way we think what we call the soul is something that belongs to shamayim which makes us be something of an in-between between shamayim baaretz cannot exist but for as a function of the reality of his existence what does this mean haramam is going to spell it out and if someone were to come to the conclusion for some reason, means it's a term that means when someone comes to a conclusion, but not through the right processes. So if someone concludes that God does not exist, nothing else can exist. This is both part of the statement we are making, that everything depends on God, and Harambam is also making, as an aside, a philosophical statement, which we are not going to delve into, which is, if you do not accept God's existence, you will not be able to explain everything else existing. Nothing else can exist. However, if one were to conclude that nothing else exists, God, by the way, we have not called him God yet, we have called him Matsui Rishon, this first being. He, by himself, will continue existing. This is, furthermore, not only did he not need, need creation or creatures to exist, but also, after having created all of creation and all of the creatures, even if those suddenly stopped existing, their being in the first place did not bring about some kind of a dependency that God now needs his creation, his creatures. God would not disappear if everything else were to disappear all of a sudden. Why? And this is the punchline. For all the beings, all the creatures, need him, depend on him. But he, blessed is he, does not need them. Not any one of them. We are conditioned, we are conditioned as human beings to perceive the world from our little point of view, from our reality and as a projection of our subconscious as our own creation which leads to something which is called anthropocentrism we look at the world around us in function of us and without controlling our mind what our mind would naturally go to our default is to think that even God is our creation. God is a function of me. 
God is like me. God is in my image. So part of the point, or perhaps the main point of as we are going to notice, is to take us away from that frame of mind, from thinking of everything in function of us, to thinking of everything in function of God. One more word about this first halakha, and we move to the second one. The Torah itself also begins by having yesodot, by establishing some fundamentals. Before telling us what we should do, before telling us that we should put tefillin, that we should keep Shabbat, that we should eat kasher, and so on and so forth, the Torah begins by the parasha of Bereshit. Bereshit means yesod ha-yesodot. Bereshit, firstly, at first, to begin with, is the Torah's way of establishing, of setting out for us what are the ground rules, what is the most essential statement we have to accept if we are to continue further beyond that. Hachamim said this very beautifully by pointing out that the bet of Bereshit is pointing only forward to tell you not to look behind that. Another way of saying do not look behind that is telling you this is the base of all bases. This itself does not have a base. Don't look behind it, you will not find any base for This is our starting point. There is always a starting point. If you go to a math class and the first question you say, you ask the teacher is, teacher, I'm sorry, you say that one plus one equals two, but actually, I think that the one should look like the two, and the two should look like the one. So if you follow my interpretation, the one, the symbol that's called one is really two. So really we are saying two plus two, and it should be equal four, not two. If you do not accept, if you do not accept the most basic ground rules of the classroom, if you do not accept that the numbers look the way they look, or that one plus one equals two, if you don't take the most basic axioms of a certain discipline, then this is not the conversation for you. We can no longer have a meaningful dialogue because we're not accepting the most basic premises, the most basic common ground. The common ground of Yahadut, the most basic base, is that God created everything out of nothing. Just like Bereshit, Bereshit. Now, the, conclude, the, the inference from this principle that God created everything out of nothing is that God is nothing like us. We are nothing like God. The Rashid begins by telling us a story of how Hashem created man out of nothing, not man created Hashem. So, en mehem. God's reality is not our reality. One way of explaining this, and we are going to get deeper into this when we talk about what Harambam describes as angels, the Malachim, is imagine if you have a comic strip, you have a, a comic book, that has a character thinking something. The way you make this character think is by drawing this cloud next to his head with three little circles leading from his head to the cloud. That means that he's thinking whatever is in that cloud. 
Imagine you draw inside that cloud another character, also with a cloud next to his head, and three little bubbles coming from the cloud leading to the head. And in that cloud, again, you can have another one, and so on and so forth. What we have just done is we have created an imperfect analogy, but we have created levels, layers of reality where one is much more real than the other one. But what you can obviously intuitively understand is that if anything were to happen inside one of the inner clouds, it should not affect the outermost character. So let's have this mashal, this parable in mind when we read all of these things. Because when we think of a different level of reality, you know, some of us might start imagining, oh, okay, so maybe the stars, the, the, the sky, the, the atmosphere. No, this is all part of our reality. We are talking about a different level of reality. God's reality is not like our reality. It's of a different level. Not a difference in, in, in degree, but difference in kind. <clears throat> and now that Harambam explains this principle, He's going to show that this is exactly what the Torah says. This is what the Navi, the prophet Yahu says, and God, the Lord, is real. Emet is real. Really, Yahu, is that, is that all you have to say to us? You need to be prophets to tell me that Hashem is real? No. What he's saying is that God is the only one who is real in his level of reality. Just like in my parable, only the outermost character, the one with the first bubble, is the one who is real. Everything else is being thought. Or if you want to take it deeper, only the one holding the pen, drawing that character, is the one who is real. And nobody else has a level of reality like this, like that. This is also what the Torah itself says. There is nothing besides God. Really? There is nothing besides God? Of course, the statement is not what Spinoza and others understand, the Stantheism, that since there is nothing but God, everything is God. And this computer is God, and my shirt is God, and I am God, and Yeshu is God, and everyone is God, and everything is God. No, that, that's not what Enolmi Levado means, that there is nothing but Him. Of course there is things beside for God. In fact, in fact, Almost by definition, anything that we can think of, anything that we can know, by definition is not God. So, in Odmi Levado, there is nothing but him. What was Moshe Rabbeinu meaning? What Moshe Rabbeinu was meaning is that there is nothing besides God that is as real as God. There is only one ultimate character that begins that first cloud, that first bubble of thinking in this comic strip, which, which we call reality. Halakha Gimal. Hamasui Hazeh, Hu Eloah HaOlam. We have been referring to this being as a being. This being, he is Eloah HaOlam. He is the Lord of the world. Adon Kol Haaret. Is the owner of earth. The one manhig ha galgal, the koach and lokes betahlit, 
בכוח שאין לו הפסק. שהגלגל סובב תמיד, ואי אפשר שייסוב ולא מסבב. והוא ברוך הוא המסבב אותו בלא יד ולא גוף. This is a very dense הלכה, let's parse it out into a few parts. המצוי הזה, the first thing that we know about this being, so what do we know? We know he's the first being. We know that there is a creator that created everything out of nothing. Can we call it a day? Was that all we needed to know to start engaging in Torah? No. We, Am Yisrael, have a little more meat to these bones. We know a little more about God because of our history, because of the prophets who received prophecy. And there is three things that Harambam is bringing here, which are basically the, the, the three aspects of God that Am Yisrael, that the Torah wants us to know. And these three aspects, I insist, I'm not going to show it right now, but I insist, think of them, because you will find them, you will find them in Tehillim, like in Ashrei Yosef, in Tehillah Le-David, which is a chapter um, 145. You can find it in, uh, in, in the Amidah, in the daily uh, silence prayer we say every day, three times a day. You will find this theme of three aspects, three titles that we give to God. So, of course, he's a creator of everything. What does that mean? The fact that he's a creator of everything means three things. Or maybe derived from this fact, but there's three things that we know about this creator. Number one is that Hu Eloa Ha'olam, that he, uh, this, this first being, the creator, also is the ultimate authority of the world. The word Eloah, we are going to translate when we study these chapters as authority. For ease, we might use the word Lord, which also means somebody who has authority. I will not use the word God, because it's too ambiguous. I don't know what God means. But Eloah is someone who has authority. By the way, Eloah is not only used with respect to God. Eloah is a word that's used with respect to prophets. Moshe was Elohim with respect to Aharon. It's used, with, it's used to describe judges. When you go to a court, the Torah describes it as you are going to the Elohim. It's used with, to describe very important people, um, like Adam and Hava, when they were being, when Hava was being told by the snake to eat from the fruit, the snake told her, <clears throat> Once you eat from this fruit, you're going to become Elohim. You're going to have the authority to decide what is right and what is wrong on your own. So Elohim, what it has in common in all of these cases is it's someone who calls the shots, someone who tells you what to do. And it's not a given. You accept someone as your Elohim. Elohim is... Uh, is something that can be commanded, as we are going to say, that, that that becomes our Elohim is something that can be commanded. So the first thing we know about the Matsui that is that he is Eloah HaOlam, is the Lord of the world, Adon Kol Haaretz. He owns the land. We are talking right now about ownership. The word Kone in Hebrew, Liknot, means both to own as well as to create. Kain. 
the, the, the son of Adam and Hava was called Cain by Hannah. As she said, each Adonai, I have now created a man together with God. So Kaniti, Kone, Kain means to create. And obviously it also means to acquire, to own, to possess. Uh, so when we say about God, when we say that he's we are actually meaning both things. And it's not that it means both things as though it was a word that had two meanings. No. In the Hebrew mind, the word kone actually means both things. They're both two sides of the very same coin. <clears throat> so Adon Kol Haaret, coming from the fact that he created everything, he also owns everything. There is a pasuk that says this very, very clearly. Hu asanu velo anachnu. God made us and we are his. You own what you create. What you create, you own. What you have not created, you do not own. The only one who owns absolutely is the one who creates absolutely. The only one who creates absolutely is the one who creates out of nothing, which is God. So he's Adon Kol Haaretz, he owns everything. We also know that he has not just created the world and let it be. He actually continuously governs, supervises, directs, leads the Galgal, this, the, 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 the cosmos, with some kind of an energy, some kind of a force, of a programming. This programming does not have an ending time. It does not have any interrupt. It does not does not have any 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 reach limitations. It reaches everywhere. It does not have any interruptions. It's not intermittent. It's constant. We see reality functioning in a constant way. So we know there is something constant making reality function the way it functions. And he blessed is he is the one that is making everything turn around without the aid of any instrumentality. Just one word about this halakha, and we are going to finish with the next halakha, this, this first part of the, of the first chapter. <clears throat> um, first of all, Harambam believed that although you may not prove creation from reality, you can prove, you may prove supervision you may look around the world and realize this cannot be chance. This is not randomness. There is a guiding hand behind everything. There is a design to the cosmos. Now, I cannot prove that this at one point did not exist. Now it exists. I cannot prove creation out of nothing, but I can definitely, certainly prove that reality is being managed. This management of reality, this hanhaga, is what Haramam is talking about here. I don't know what we can find today. That's the task for each and every one of us. When we study Torah, when we study science, when we build our buildings on this Amuda Chochmot, to try to discover Borei Olam from the programming of reality we see around us, the ultimate programmer. But for Haramam, this was clear. This is provable. Just like it was clear that it's not provable that God creates everything out of nothing. It is provable that there is a supervision making the world work the way it does. And one last thing about this, 
manhig. Manhig, the word manhig, the word leader in Hebrew, comes from the word haga. Hey, gimal, nahag, but it, it really is related also to the word haga. The first is nahag, nun hegimal, but haga uh, means a, a, a word. And manhig is somebody, somebody who brings about a certain outcome without interacting with the agency that is acting. So let me give you an example. <clears throat> Let's say I want to move my horse, my black horse, from point A to point B. I have two ways of doing that. One way is going there to point A, grabbing my horse from its whatever, and dragging it all the way to point B. That way I am interacting in the same level of reality with that horse. Or another way is by issuing a command, a verbal command, a sound, to the air. That command is breaching the gap between my reality and the horse's reality. The horse takes that command and the horse itself moves. That is called manhig. Haga, again, means a pronouncement, a pronunciation. When you lead to a certain outcome without interacting in that same level of reality, you're being a manhig, you're being a leader. And this is obviously the way we perceive God's guidance of this universe, not by actively acting in this physical universe. There is no physical manifestation of God in this universe, but rather by issuing commands, by communication, by language. Language is the only thing that can bridge the gap between the reality of God and our reality. These realities are not reducible to one another. They are not compatible with one another, but they can communicate with one another. And if you read this coming parasha, Bereshit, the way creation is being described is as an act of language. God said, let there be light and there was light and so on and so forth. So that's what manhig means. So again, the three things we know about God so far is that he, is, he has the authority, he has ownership, and he leads, he manages this world, but manages without interacting with it. And knowing this one thing, knowing that the creator has authority, is a positive commandment. It's one of the 613. And it's the first one. Knowing that Hashem created everything out of nothing is not a commandment. It's a base of all bases. It's something without which, if you don't have it, you are opening the wrong book. This is the commandment. As it is said, I am Hashem, your Elohim, your Lord. I am Hashem, your Lord. So the emphasis here is on the word Elohecha. I, Hashem, the one who exists, the one who took you out of his time, the one whom you know, should be, must be, shall be your Lord. Shall be the one that you accept as your authority. And if anyone concludes, if anyone thinks, assumes that there is any other competing authority but for Hashem, anyone, anyone else, doesn't need to be someone that you think is, has mythical powers. If anybody in your life has as much authority as God, if you will have a conflict of interest, if your friend tells you something, and if God tells you something, then you have a problem. If you assume that there is anyone with as much authority as God over Belotase, 
you're violating this the second commandment we are describing in Mishnah Torah, a negative commandment, which is the second of the ten devarim. You may not have, you shall not have any other authorities, any other authorities that are competing with mine, says God. And this is also a violation of the most basic axiom of the Torah. This is the, the great uh, root on which everything else depends. If you do not accept God's sovereignty, his authority, but more precisely God's exclusive authority, then the rest of the Torah doesn't make as much sense. So this is the end of part one. We are going to continue with part two in a separate class.